The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Physics Podcast, CBS Sports Daily. Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. If you're listening to the podcast, it is Thursday, August 4th. So we get closer and closer to the start of the 2022 NFL season. If you're watching the podcast on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. You can, it is uh, Wednesday, August 3rd. And joining me to talk about some NFC North burning questions as well as uh, lighting candles for a goat. Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Will? And, and by the way, if listeners are, are obviously listening to this podcast on Thursday, football is back. We've got oh, the yeah. Hall of Fame game. Oh, yeah. Couldn't so be actual excited. football. Trevor Lawrence won't be playing. I don't think we'll know any of these people that are playing. But football will be played when you're listening to this podcast on Thursday. Okay, so uh, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to Tom Brady's birthday. Does this mean that So the Deshaun Watson news came out on Monday? The NFL has three days to appeal. That means they have to let every, they have to let the they have to. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world, but they have to like the NFL is appealing. Wilson and I talked about this. Um, the NFL appeals, and then Roger Goodell is like, "Oh, you appealed? Well, yeah, I'll make a ruling." And like that's the process. I believe Thursday is the deadline. So yeah, you're saying so you're saying kickoff of the Hall of Fame game will just conveniently be a time that they're going to say, "Hey, we're appealing this." I think they would probably have to file it by 4:30 p.m. or something like yeah. that. But I don't know that there's I don't know what the exact. Maybe it's just I assume it's three business days after the ruling comes out. Sure. So you get Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean that that has to be by end of business on Thursday. I would guess when it is. So I would think that the news will come out. Um if they are appealing first thing in the morning, because you wouldn't want to do a four thirty news dump with the hall of fame game that night. That's true. That's true. But it's also like, not if you're the NFL, is this something that you're like dumping? Like, is it, you're going to probably look good, right? Like it's that's not, true. that's true. That's a good point. It's not like it's bad. It's not like, you know, unless they're saying it's good enough. We're fine. Like they're going to get blowback. Uh, yeah, you, would that. Dump the, you would dump. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misreading. I mean, I guess I'm so used to people being mad about, Roger Goodell doing punishment stuff that I'm, you know, it's like, oh, you got to hide it here. Maybe it is. You come out and like first thing in the morning, you announce like, hey, this is happening and we'll find out when it, you know, and then in theory, if you did. So that's also why if, if they're going to hammer Watson, maybe it won't be on a Friday. It'll be on like a Monday morning. Mm, yeah. You come out and you say, hey, we wanted a year. We're giving him a year. Tough break, Cleveland Browns. I, I think I remain more and more convinced that they are going to, the NFL will appeal this. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it, it, but it is weird, right? Like you go through all of that to just have the power to do what you wanted to do anyways. Like it, it does feel a little backwards of how yeah, it's like, to this. It's like, um, it's like, uh, it's like taking your, 
It would be like taking, like if you have a, a water dispenser on your fridge, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of the, you know, pretty standard. I'm mean, not, not pretty standard, but pretty common on fridges. And you took that and you filled up a Brita water filter with like the water from your fridge. It's like, you're, you're like, you're like, you're, you're, you're unnecessarily filtering this product. Like yes. it's, already, it's already filtered. Like you don't need this filter to make it's nobody, nobody feels better about this. Um, and, and the other thing too, is like the way that Sue Robinson ruled on it. Basically saying like, you know, if it weren't for the bizarre NFL precedent of bouncing all over the place, I would uh, agree with the year long suspension, which anyway, leads me to believe that I think, is I'm curious when Thursday you batten down your hatches depending on when you're working shifts, Sully. Um that's true. Well, yeah. I'm working the game, so at least they'll be okay. I'll yeah. be in Fo- I'll be in Foxborough, I believe, but then I'll be working the game too. Okay, so yeah, I, so I'm will, okay. I, I am I am out of this. There you go. Um so yeah, a Hall of Fame game is on Thursday night. Jags and Raiders. Watch out. It's yeah, a school trip. When these two squads get together, man. I mean, come <laughs> anything's on. possible. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't even really like care who plays in the Hall of Fame game. I no. don't um I, like and I, again, like I said this to you know, say this to Wilson. Like, I don't I don't want to come off as like, like I, I mean, I I'm enthusiastic about football. I freaking love football. I'm not ready for it quite yet, I don't think. It always just feels so far out from actual preseason that yeah. it doesn't even feel like it's a part of the process, if that makes any sense, right? Yeah, like I've, I've, it makes total sense, and I've like, I don't want to say I've like grown to ignore it, but like you know, I'll, like if the Hall of Fame class is compelling, I'll watch the ceremony. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'll watch the game because it's like, oh, hey, football. But I'm not, I'm not like. I don't consider this a big milepost in the in the in the offseason preseason. Well, especially when you know teams kind of treat it the same way. We know Trevor Lawrence isn't going to play. I doubt you're going to see anybody significant for the Raiders. I mean, I, I haven't heard if they're going to do anything. Really, the storyline for that game is going to be Doug Peterson taking over the Jaguars after Urban Meyer, and then Josh McDaniels heading the Raiders. I mean, it's two two teams moving on from head coaches that are you know had weird circumstances ending their tenure, and now you have stability or what is perceived to be stability at those spots. Now that's all you're really going to be looking at. But really, what are you going to learn? You know what I mean? That's the biggest question for me is what are you going to learn from these games? A lot of these preseason games, we will see stuff. I just don't know if that's going to be the case. And it really hasn't been the case in these Hall of Fame games. Yeah. And, you know, like the Jaguars are in this, I mean, guess it's like Tony Baselli, you know, like try and tell. Oh, I, I will say. I'm desperately hoping that Tony Baselli forgets to thank Pete Prisco in his Hall of Fame speech. Because <laughs> Pete is adamant that Baselli is going to thank him. Okay. Because Pete has pounded the table and harassed voters to get Tony Baselli in. And he finally gets in. He did get in, right? He's in, right? Yeah, he's in. <laughs> he's one of the guys. He's in, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. He's in, right? Um, no, the um, I, I actually think it would be cool. Like, he's going to, I don't think Pete's like presenting or anything, but I'm pretty sure Pete's going. Okay. And like he's gonna give, I mean, by all accounts, he's like gonna be like one of the first like ten people that that Tony Baselli gives a shout out to, which is kind of, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Pete was the one. I mean, there are you know, in the respective really markets, was, yeah. he is the one that makes the case. I'm no, assuming no, he's not he's not on he no, he's not on the committee, he's not on the voting committee. Oh no, okay. Yeah, that's the thing, is he would just go to like at the Super Bowl or the Combine or like whatever NFL or the owners meetings, he would just constantly harass these Hall of Fame voters to get Baselli in. Like, like he was like, like, like the personal, like, just like he would just harass everybody. Oh yeah, and then Richard Seymour, I guess, is the. I mean, there's just it's. I mean, look, frankly, it's not a very good class. Yeah, that helps. You know what I mean? With with guys that are have been on the bubble for a while, that obviously. No, no, I mean, it's like not not a very intriguing like class to watch from a induction standpoint. Yeah, I, mean, I would yeah. never say on my on my. I would never say live on YouTube or. Or this is maybe we're not live on YouTube, but whatever. Um, I would never say on a recorded line that I, a professional football writer, would not. I'm not going to watch a Hall of Fame game or ensuing or the Hall of Fame ceremonies. That wouldn't be professional of me. However, <laughs> if something, <laughs> you know, maybe I've got like some parenting thing I got to do. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got Richard Seymour going in. I, you know that that will be interesting. Yeah. There you go. Is he? Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, is he the only connection? Yeah, never mind. Anyway, carry on. Um, you're not going to get anything from this game. Yeah. And I and I do think one thing to note, too, is that coaches are becoming increasingly 
I feel like, especially these younger coaches, increasingly willing to sacrifice preseason reps for their starters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all, you know, as we go into the preseason now, I mean, you know, with this game, it, it, we still are ways away from that stuff going on. But it is the, it's the second year of the third preseason game, you know, all the three, three preseason games. And I feel like we still didn't really know how teams were going to handle it too, right? At like, all. It, like it was like, is the week two the dress rehearsal? Is week three the dress and rehearsal? And, week one or week four? Like, and like teams kind of, kind of did it in different ways too. So it will be interesting from that regard to see when we see the actual teams and the stars. God, yeah, that was weird. And, and it's also like, yeah, I mean, yeah, last year was so bizarre too because we're coming off, you're coming off 2020 and it's like, oh my God, this preseason is amazing. Like we don't have sweat football happening. Like it's amazing. Anyway, um, I don't know what we're talking about. I, mean, I know what we're talking about, but we're just sort of, I'm, I'm prattling on. Uh, we should be prattling on about Tom Brady. It's his 45th birthday. He turned 45 on Wednesday. Of course, our incredible research team, or just Diva, fired up. I think it's the research team fired up a um, massive document for it. What is the um, Tom Brady will become when he he will pass Steve Deberg, who started a game at forty four years, two hundred seventy nine days, when he starts uh, in week one, becoming the oldest quarterback ever to start a game in NFL history and he'll be doing it coming off a season in which he led the NFL in passing touchdowns. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. He's pretty good. He's pretty good at this whole football thing, but he made it. I mean, he made it 45 was the, you know, the benchmark for a decade really. And everybody, you know, 40 at first and then it changed it to 45. Once he got to like, it's a good question. I don't know, but I just, you know, predominantly it's been, well, 45, 45. I mean, the, the dudes even joked around about 50. So like, who knows? But like 45 has been the number that a lot of people have circled. Brady himself has specifically circled. Almost didn't make it because he retired for like 40 days this offseason and decided to come back. But, you know, that, you know, that is a remarkable feat to be considered, you know, an MVP caliber quarterback going into your age 45 season. Now, you know, is this going to be it? Are we going to enter that final year of Tom Brady? Is this the send off? Who knows? But, you know, again. He's still at the top of his game. You know, he's coming off a ridiculous season statistically, and the Buccaneers are one of the teams that are legitimately in the Super Bowl conversation. So, again, it, it's yeah, just yeah. remarkable about where he's at. Yeah, he is um, George Blanda, 26 seasons played, Morton Anderson, 25, Vinatieri, 24, John Carney, 23, and Gary Anderson, 23, Tom Brady right behind them at 22. You'll note that all of those other guys are kickers. George Blanda also played quarterback, but you know, I mean, they, these guys kicked. You can hang around forever when you're kicking. You can't hang around forever when you're playing quarterback. He is um, 32 games shy of breaking Adam Vinatieri's record for most games played, including the playoffs. Vinatieri at 397. So if Tom Brady were to make the playoffs and play two full – oh, no, just two regular – you don't even have to make the playoffs. Two regular seasons. Now with 17 games, he would break it. Um, you know, he – I believe he's zeroing in on a hundred thousand yards passing uh, combined playoffs in in regular season too. Outrageous. Realistic, yeah, just outrageous. I mean, he's been to it's, 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 he has. Do we? Do they put the um? See, do they put the uh, stat where it's like here's Tom Brady's three Hall of Fame careers? Like he can yeah. go to the Hall of Fame three times. Yeah, uh, my parents actually they live in uh, North Carolina, and my uh, one of their cousins. The seat Panther season ticket holder was like, you can pick any game you want to go to except for these two. And they, they didn't hadn't taken off the box. So uh I was like, I was like, they're like, Do you think that's a good choice? I was like, Yeah. Like, who cares what the score is? You get to see Tom Brady. Like, you might see Tom Brady's like one of his final 16 games, 17 games. Yeah, yeah that's and pretty cool. At the very worst, you're gonna see like one of Tom Brady's final 34 games. Right, exactly. And you know, if you know, never seen him before, they're big football fans. That's you know, so, you, you don't have that many opportunities. You yeah, know, like, like I, well, I saw my dad. I was like, look, like I, I probably take it for granted. I've seen Tom Brady, like, I mean, you know, I mean, 10 times, you know, yeah. mostly like, Super Bowls. And- good for instance, like, I'm not, I'm a Celtics fan. I don't like LeBron, but when he comes to town, I'm like, I got to go see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, right. it's a good environment, but it's also like he is one of the top two, five greatest players, if not arguably the best player in NBA history. Like, you got to go see those legends when they're around. Um, I played basketball with LeBron James, fun fact. Okay. All right. I, I won't tell the story now. I How'd you do? <laughs> uh, I tried to take a charge, and he literally jumped over me. 
That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, the first time he stopped and stopped like a quarter inch from my face. He was on the, he was on the opposing team. It was like a last minute surprise thing. It was like a bunch of like people like me and you and then LeBron. And he was just like, it was like treating it like, like you do like, like fifth grade, if you're playing like the kind of goal, he's just like, like one guy tried to throw a layup and LeBron put like a put like like the block like in the other side of the gym, just like like didn't like lightly tap it, just absolutely pummel that thing. Unbelievable. Um, but I, I stole the ball. LeBron got a rebound and was coming the other way, and I like sprinted back and like sit there was like trying to take a charge, like like whatever, like it'll be. Yeah. He's not gonna run through me. I mean, yeah, if he does, I'm rich. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, if he runs through me, I'm a rich, rich man. Um, worst case scenario, he just like embarrasses me. And sure enough, he stopped like like this far from my face and just looked me in the eye and finger rolled the ball into the hoop. And then I tried to do it again. He jumped over me and nice. did his signature dunk. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it was in his high school gym too. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's. Uh, is there any more news that we have to get to? Um, well, I mean, you know, Brady's got the, the tampering thing going on with the Dolphins. I'm sure you guys covered that. Oh, yeah. all. Actually, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do the show yesterday. Okay. All right. So, uh, let's, since you're as a Brady guy, let's, um, it is kind of funny that like the day before he turns 45. Hilarious. Okay. I, I, the, the timing of that couldn't have been any better. I know. Um, so obviously I think Wilson and breach maybe, I don't know. Is that right? Okay. I didn't, yep. obviously didn't listen to the show on the way home. Um, the, uh, the day, um, you know, they, they broke it down. I mean, look, I, I thought that, I mean, my personal take was that Brady got off a little light here because, you know, he was willingly talking to the Dolphins, even though I don't think he necessarily violated anything, and that the Dolphins got off really light for the tanking stuff and that the NFL probably was more than willing to hammer the Dolphins over the tampering stuff in order to cover up the tanking stuff and loved the idea of firing out all this news about the Dolphins and Brady and all that uh, shortly after the Deshaun Watson suspension news. Like it's very, very, very NFL of them. Like it's, it's, it's all, it's all, if you do this long enough, it's very, you see this stuff, it's like very transparent how they're approaching it. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, for sure, definitely getting off light on the tanking stuff, you know, that in, in, you know, they lose a first round pick in 2023, which I was a little confused. What did they trade? I was, I should have looked it up, but it's my mistake. What did they trade for Tyreek Hill again? Was it not a first round pick? Um, yeah. I'm just assuming Adams went for, uh, you know, Wait, no, 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 no. Terry Hill like went for two twos. Was it two twos? Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I thought a first round pick. So well, okay. they still had two first. They had their own and then San Francisco. So they just lost their own. Yeah. And then they gave up the twos for, and they had two twos already. I think and they gave the twos to, for K to KC for Tyreek Hill. Okay. But yeah, so, no, that's, that's, um, that's not an, uh, it's, I don't think it's, Unusual to suggest that Tyreek Hill also committed a first. Yeah. And, and so no, 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 no. they got a, they got a first. They got a 2022 first. Oh, they traded before the draft. That's the thing. Oh, okay. So, okay. Oh, yeah. So the Dolphins had two first in 2022, two first in 2023. Yep. Yeah. So um, they actually only gave up a fourth and sixth round pick in next year's draft. So they, they're, they still have their their picks for next year. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, this, you know, with, with going, you know, with Tua going into a pivotal year. That's not great. Like, you know, as much as we talk about, like, oh, could Brady possibly go there? Obviously, they've had communications about that. But, like, if Tua bottoms out, you now lose an avenue to find yourself a quarterback next offseason. So, that, you, you know, that's. You don't have two draft picks to trade up and get right. a, a high priority like pick if Tua is not good. Yeah. So and that's, Tom, Tom Brady's less likely to come now because you have one less first round pick. And not only that, like, let's just say Tom Brady wants to continue playing. Like, can he still go there? Like, yes, he technically can. It's, it would be a bad look. The NFL that's would a really be- weird look if all of a sudden he just signs with them in the offseason, which is something that's been negotiated dating back to August of 2019. And, and like you were saying, too, you know, Brady obviously gets off a little bit easy here, which I do find fascinating. Like, you know, I, I, you know, we both have, like, contracts with CBS. Like, we can't go talk to other and do work for other outlets. You know, there are certain non-competing. multiple teams. And he's, and, and, you know, so I'm, I'm sure the NFL has similar non-compete type things. And so it is interesting how, you know, that's not a focus there for Brady as well. You know, so, you know, again, it, it just continues the weird ending for Tom Brady in New England. You know, already planning it in 20 and, you know, as early as documented wise, August of 2019, going into his final year with the team. Yep. And 
for a guy that is very centrally focused on the present and winning, yeah, I was off the ball at least for 2019, and it, it reflected that. I mean, the Patriots were 8-0 to begin that year, and you wouldn't have look, known it looking at Tom Brady. I mean, I think that that's one of those things where the quarterback was checked out for that final Ooh, year. Interesting. Wow. Sharp barbs from Sully. On, on his well, you know, I gotta, you gotta do what I gotta do. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I don't think you're wrong with that. I mean, he and it's weird too because like Stephen Ross is Stephen Ross is a Michigan guy. Yeah. So like he has the a uh enthusiastic uh internal approach to trying to acquire Tom Brady and get Tom Brady to his team, just for I mean from a Michigan standpoint. So yeah. One of the funniest uh, tweets I saw of uh, from the day of that news coming out was, I forget who posted it. I probably should just retweet it. Uh, it was somebody t- uh, taking a picture, a screen grab of the ownership of the Dolphins, but it was the Fergies, the Serena Williams, the Mark Anthonys, and they were like, I want to hear from ownership. <laughs> was, I just, I got a good laugh out of that one. I do really think, though, that, um, that, that the NFL was more than happy to crank up the tampering aspect of yeah. this. Because you, you read what they wrote about the tanking aspect of it, and it's very clear that, um, you know, uh, where, where they said that it was like, what was, what was the phrase? It was like, um, however phrase, such a comment was not intended or taken to, to be a serious offer, nor was the subject pursued in any respect by Mr. Ross or anyone else at the club. It's like, well, you're like creating intent. And then they also said that um, Ross uh, – that he um that he he basically was like he said that the draft should take priority over the team's win loss record and and then it was like they're like but many of his comments could be construed in different ways based on your approach and belief system it's like it's like all right you guys you guys think they tanked and you don't want to admit it because then it looks really bad for the integrity of the league so instead you just like hammer them for tampering in a way that would have probably been close to the tanking punishment. Not only that, you don't want to, you know, sully the, you know, reputation or whatever, but you would be shaking the foundation of one of your franchises. Like the tampering thing, you can take away draft picks. It's very tampering just happens. Tampering happens all the time and you're just and, you know, it, and it's easy to punish. Yeah. This would be in line for unprecedented punishment. Steve exactly. You're talking about a force sell. You're talking about a change in ownership. You're talking about a you know, a multi-billion dollar transaction in the NFL, which is just, again, it's something that's unheard of. And by the way, um, Brian Flores lawsuit. I, th- we said this at the time, not, I mean, we're, you know, we're trying to we intimated it at the time. I think it holds more water now. I'm not suggesting that let me I phrase this correctly. So Brian Flores, the way that Brian Flores' lawsuit blew up was, because of the minority uh, coaching pra- hiring practices, yep. that's what that he that he led with that, and that got the headlines. But and we, I, we, I remember calling it. I specifically remember calling this. It's sort of like, and I'm not saying he doesn't believe that that's true. I think he does. I just don't think that he feels he's going to get anywhere. I, like that lawsuit. I mean, like you know, how what are you going to get out? You know, like how much is, is that lawsuit actually going to be able to? work out where you can prove that there are, you know, like actual malicious intent, et cetera. But it does serve as a really, really effective Trojan horse for tampering and uh, tanking claims against the guy who fired you. Yes. And clearly he wanted to get back at Stephen Ross and he did that. So good job. Good job with you, Brian Flores. Who who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick wanted to get back at Brady for all the tampering as well. And (laughs) (laughs) Brian Flores instead of Brian Dayball. Oh, it's oh. just, you know, that's a fun little side story, but I had I thought about that. The theory, it's not anything concrete, obviously. No, but I mean, it certainly helped propel. <laughs> <the>, oops. <laughs> oops. Oh, yeah. By the way, Brian, you know who else has been talking to? <laughs> like talking to Stephen Ross. Uh, all right, let's take a break. And when we come back, NFC North burning questions next. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The NFC North burning questions. We go through three with each team, and we start, of course, the Green Bay Packers. And the first one is obvious. I don't have the link in front of me. Did you? you I'm assuming you. I can send it to you. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'll, um, I can just Google it. Uh, we have pretty good Google search history. And um, it's the first item. No big deal. Uh, oh, okay. You didn't, I was making sure you didn't write it. Cody Benjamin wrote it. Yeah. And the first question is is the obvious one, and it is the correct one. Like, who is going to be. This didn't appear to be no, that. It's not the right one. There was a different one this offseason. I just sent it to you. Gotcha. Uh, Jeff Kerr wrote it. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Cody wrote it from the newsletter. Gotcha. Yeah. Our whole, it's a, you know what? It's a brilliant strategy. Um, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers first question Who's Aaron Rodgers' go to target now that Devontae Adams is gone? I have, I have my answer. What's yours? Uh, it's Alan Lazard for me, Aaron Jones for me. Okay, I like that one. I like it a lot. Me and uh, Dwayne McFarland of uh, PFF and I are uh, in agreement with this. Aaron Jones is wide receiver one for the Green Bay Packers. Now, Prisco calls me crazy. I think he's going to split. I think they're going to run AJ Dillon out of the backfield, line up Aaron Jones in in the like in the slot, put him out, you know, put do two halfback sets, get him the ball in space. Um, I think he's going to be the number one target. But yes, Alan Lazard is the number one wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I think for them it would be Christian Watson, but. Obviously, he's not healthy, and he's not participating in training camp right now, so the rookie can't kind of really make that impact. Sammy Watkins in the mix, Randall Cobb, you know, those are some of the guys that are, I guess, in the discussion. But for me, it's Alan Lazard. But I do like the Aaron Jones standpoint. If we're talking about overall targets and not just, like, wide receiver, I kind of looked at it from that regard. But, you know, for me, Aaron Jones, absolutely. I mean, you could run him, like you're saying, in multiple different ways. You know, you know, put him in the slot, put him out know, wide, put him out wide, motion him out there. You can even run some sort of like pony thing with yep. Dylan on one side and, and Jones on the other. Like you could get really creative. And I'm sure Matt LaFleur is already kind of doing that. Yeah, you could do some sort of like, I mean, almost a read option, like a wishbone type. You know, we, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you can do. I think Aaron Jones is going to be prominently involved. I have a ton of Aaron Jones in, in best ball um, and TFS and whatnot. Will this team find secondary depth? Jerry Alexander back, of course. They have Eric Stokes, who they drafted last year, and Rosal Douglas. Do they have enough in there, or can they find well, – will they find the depth, I guess, is the question. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they do have already depth at the safety spot, too, in the secondary. Like, it's not – you know, you can only go so deep, right? Like, I mean, yeah, of course, you'd love to have, you know, top to bottom on your depth chart, guys that could step up in a moment's notice. but in reality, that's not the case in the NFL most of the time. But, I mean, you do have Adrian Amos, you know, Darnell Savage at the safety spots. Like, you do have veteran talent, Jair Alexander, obviously, as well. And, and like you said, with Stokes. And Stokes is a former, former first-round pick, too. Yep. So, it's like, you do have talent there. But, yeah, of course, if you lose one of those pillars, then it's going to be tough regardless. Now, do they have enough? I guess we'll see. But it's not like the, the NFC is – it's not like they're in the – the you know, AFC, AFC West, West where, yeah. where, where you're just going to have these quarterbacks every single week. Yes, we do believe that the Lions and the and the Vikings could be better. Of course, Minnesota's you know increasing their pass volume with Kevin O'Connell as head coach, but ultimately it's Green Bay versus Tampa Bay versus LA, and I think you have enough to slow those guys down. Yeah, you just got to be healthy, get healthy. I mean, if you lose, yeah. if you lose, if a bunch of guys get injured, it won't be as good. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Speaking of injuries. The Packers' offense, what's the offensive line going to look like is Cody's last question. I would actually posit that the better way to phrase that is, uh, are these tackles healthy? Because yeah. David Bakhtiari does not sound like he's going to be ready to start the season. He's just not. I don't think, I almost feel like he's just not going to be. And El, uh, Elton Jenkins, who was great last year replacing Bakhtiari, is also recovering from a torn ACL. So that's problems. Yeah, you know when you get your you know your tackles not 
fully confident that they'll be ready to go. Obviously, the alarm bell should be going off. You know, I, I looked at PFF's, you know, offensive line rankings and stuff like that. They have the Packers fifth, but they do put the caveat out there that health is a is a big factor. Yeah, yeah. Bakhtiari and Jenkins have to be healthy. Yeah. Right. So, like, yes, at the if everybody's if everything's equal and everybody's healthy, yeah, you you should be all right. But at the same time. You got about a month to, to kind of figure that out now, a little over a month to to get healthy and be ready to go. I mean, as of a week ago, there's, you know, Rob Domofsky of, of ESPN was reporting, there's no timetable for Bakhtiari's return. That's a that's a problem. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to put it any other way. That's Less a, than it, ideal if you don't have your all-pro left tackle ready for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, like he's, yeah, one of the five best offensive linemen in football probably. Um and then Jenkins, I want to say Jenkins is probably sounds like yeah he's ahead of schedule, quote ahead of schedule according to Brian Gutekunst, which is good. But, but obviously, what does that look like coming back from an injury like that? Like everybody reacts in so many different ways. Yes. Like it's you know those knee injuries, and so you know he tore his it- in week eleven against the Vikings. So I mean that's. It should be enough time to get back, but you know, and again, you're not talking like a running back. You're talking about like a big, a, I think the big men coming back from the torn ACL is also a little tougher sometimes. For sure, hundred percent. You know, and you're you're going backwards. You're planting on that foot. It's a little bit different than a running back or a wide receiver. Yeah, you're making cuts, but you're not. So you're putting, on the offensive. Yeah, exactly. You're dictating where you're going. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Where you know, an offensive lineman, you're backtracking. You're kind of reacting and it's a little bit different of emotion for them so yeah i think entrusting it is a whole other thing you know what i mean like you can have the the training camp reps and all that stuff and, and work out and trust that need to make those cuts it's a you know you're talking about you, a much seen, heavier body trying to make that cut and make that plant in the ground and we've seen guys like julian edelman and joe burrow both of whom are like unafraid or like afraid of nothing and both who look tentative coming off of their, you know, the ACL injuries where they, you just see it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's natural for a, an athlete to, you know, to, to the ACL to be in your head a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think offensive line is the offensive, the, the obvious, the first, the offensive line one is the most important one to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Vikings. Number one, can Kevin O'Connell get Kirk cousins to the next level? Hmm, interesting question. I think it'd be more efficient. Level? Does he have a next level? Yeah, like I don't know if like you know all of a sudden Kirk Cousins is going to be Kirk Cousins Plus or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen. Like streaming subscription service, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, I, I think he's going to be better. I think the offense as a whole is going to be better, or they should be a little bit more pass happy, which will obviously increase his statistics and stuff like that. But like, I don't know if all of a sudden it's going to make Kirk cousins, this like clutch playoff, you know, contending type of quarterback. That's going to, you know, lead the franchise that you feel more confident in going into these like primetime games and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if it's going to change the narrative that much, but I do think with the weapons around him that, yeah. And the way that they change the offense, I mean, you know, at the baseline, if Kevin O'Connell just likes Kirk cousins, it's a step up from where he was a year ago with his head coach. And Mike Zimmer, who clearly did not like him, and right. it's gonna it's gonna change the approach, I think, as well. Yeah, that, no, that's a good point. That's a good. That's a very good point. Just just don't 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 hate your head coach. So I mean, yeah, again, that, that, that a, helps. You're already at like an advantage over what you had from uh, from previous years. Yeah, I, I I I just don't know that there's. I don't know what the. I mean, he's he's coached with Cousins before. I mean, I think I think you maybe you can see like statistically the numbers just go up because the Vikings are being more aggressive passing the ball. Um, but I mean, I, I don't I don't know. If there's like a yeah, Kirk Cousins plus. I like that. I don't I don't think there's a Kirk Cousins plus. <laughs> um, will the offensive line be any better for the Vikings? Christian Darisol slotting at left tackle. My man, Garrett Bradbury Center, Ezra Cleveland is there. They've invested a ton of money into this. I think when you look at it, the the, the scheme that O'Connell runs actually will be, um, uh, oh, you know, like will be will be pretty similar to, you know, like not similar, but like it, it will it will ask similar things from the offensive line as Gary Kubiak's scheme did or or Clint Kubiak's scheme did, um, and so. 
maybe the fact that they're a little undersized, you know, drafting for that scheme won't hurt them quite as much with this shift. Yeah, and, and also just I think the change in philosophy too offensively will help them being a little bit more pass happy on like first and second down. I don't think it's going to be you know as conservative of, a, of an offense, which I think will help relieve some of the pressure of the offensive line, especially if O'Connell is emphasizing a, a little bit more of you know quick passes, moving the ball tempo. I think that that's going to help. But this is an offensive line that you know again PFF ranks 19th overall, so you're still within the top 20 in the league. But it's not like you have this. They're not. Yeah, they're not this dynamo of a of a front. Yeah, they're they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. It's passable. Yeah, if if the, if, the, if, if look if O'Connell coaches them up and the offensive line's better, then that's maybe that's how you get Kirk Cousins plus or or sure or, or a more big efficient. stats big stats Kirk or something yeah. like that. Did the secondary improve enough? The Vikings brought in Lewis Seen at thirty second overall and Andrew Booth, who I think has been flashing in camp so far. Um, unless I'm thinking of a different Clemson standout, I'm pretty sure it's Andrew Booth that I saw that they were like. Yeah, he like made some like great one-handed interception. Um, they all brought back our colleague Patrick Peterson. They also have McKenzie Alexander, also a Clemson product. Oh no, he's he left. No, Alexander left and Xavier Woods left. Sorry. Um, and they added Shannon Sullivan. So maybe enough to get yeah. better. Yeah, I think the, if the rookies pop like we think that they might, then yeah, of course, I think that they're going to be a little bit better. I mean, I liked both selections in the first and second round. I thought Booth, you know, I think Wilson had him multiple times in the first round as a prospect in his mock drafts leading up yeah. to, to the draft last year. And he was somebody that, you know, from, you know, up here in New England following the Patriots, that was somebody who a lot of people kind of circled. And, and Wilson was one of them at times during his mocks as someone who could legitimately come into the league and, and maybe be one of those starting outside corners. And so, yeah, I mean, if you have, if you find somebody like that with Pat P on the, you know, kind of, leading that young group i think that it's certainly gonna help yeah you would you would hope it gets better um if the if the defense improves and i don't necessarily think that it will just because i think there's drop off from mike zimmer to uh ed donatel yeah big time i think it's i think it's you know as much as we're talking about the offense getting the uptick because of zimmer's absence i think you're getting a little bit of a step down with the defense the only way is if like these new additions and like the in like the in like they they're healthy and these new additions make huge impacts. Like then maybe you could see it where the defense improves and the Vikings are just a good team. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's like the offense takes a step forward. Defense probably takes a step back, at least for this first year. All right. This is tough. Do you Lions or Bears next? No are you Bears? It's a slap. <laughs> That's right. It's a slap in the face of the Lions. We're going Lions next because the Bears are the worst team in this division. How good can this offense be for Detroit? I, I think kind of like not, I don't want to say really good, but like surprisingly good, I think is a fair way to say that. I mean, if St. Brown is the guy that we saw towards the tail end of last season yeah. and Hawkinson gets healthy and Swift has the breakout that we've all been anticipating and Jared Goff is just a baseline manager of a quarterback with a good offensive line in front of him, I mean, there's really not much more than you can ask for. And we're not even talking about Jamison Williams coming into this equation if he's healthy. So, you know, there's a lot to like there. There's a lot of weapons. I think that this could be pretty good. Yeah. I, I, Jamison Williams is probably not going to be back um, right away. Like it does sound like he's, they're going to legit take the slow roll him. Um, so, you know, Maybe he's not as big an impact guy as I sort of I thought he would be, but I'm fine with that. Like you don't need to rush him back at all. No, like, I mean, what I mean, you got to also be real, realistic of where you are as a franchise. It's not yeah. like you're all right. This is our Super Bowl year. You're not the Buffalo Bills where it's you know betting favorite. You know it's time to go all in. You're still building something. You're still moving forward in in your kind of ascent, and you don't want to you know ruin a guy for 2022 that is supposedly part of your long-term plan. I mean, you did trade up significantly to get this guy. So, you know, let's not, let's not ruin him and rush him out of the gate. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, is like you, man, I mean, I tell you what, you look at this, I mean, you look at this setup they got, like they got a bunch of first round, former first round picks on the offensive line who are, you know, getting a little older and Frank Ragnow and, um, and Taylor Decker, they, but like Panay Sewell looks the part, you know, 
Like that offensive line looks like it could be legit. TJ Hawkinson's a stud. Jameson Williams could be a monster. Amron St. Brown feels like he's going to be continue to be great. And DJ Charles a nice little addition there. Plus DeAndre Swift. I mean, like you, you know, Not I don't know. Like, like well, I don't know what their plan is with Jared Goff. I would assume they're going to draft somebody at some point. But like this offense is ready to have a quarterback dropped in and have them thrive if if it's if this is the right guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the other thing too is, you know, as much as we're you know kind of projecting here with Swift and you know in Brian St. Brown and stuff like that, it's not like we're doing this out of nothing either. It's not like Williams where we're like, yeah, maybe he'll be all right. Like we'll see what he looks like. There is a proven track record of all of these guys when right, legitimately being weapons. I mean, we talk about you know you know. The fantasy football today guys are talking about Swift as a huge breakout this year, and, and yeah. you know, St. Brown's a little bit lower in their rankings. But like, if he's anywhere close to what we saw at the tail end Dude, of last he looked, year, he looked apart last year. It's you know you're talking about a legit threat that defenses need to account for. So all all it really revolves around is if Goff can kind of be just a stable, not shoot yourself in the foot type of quarterback, which he's shown he can be during his career. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. And the other thing, and I know we've talked about it over the course of last season. Detroit was just a tough out. I mean, you look at the spread, you know, the ATS record. They were a great bet all season, pretty much. They lost a ton of heartbreakers, but they were in all these games. And they were playing hard for Dan Campbell. And if that continues into 2022, they'll again be a tough out. The record might not be great, but they will be a tough out and a better offense. Yep. Uh, and we, his second question was, and, and not to put it up, but uh, will Timmy Williams be ready for the season? Like, no, probably not. That's easy, and, and, they, and he shouldn't be. Uh, the third question for the Lions, can the pass rush carry the defense? Pass rush, carry the defense. You're putting um, on an Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, it sure is, because his tiny little arms. It's him and Charles Harris. Uh, I don't think they can. Yeah, I would I would probably hold that one off a little bit. I mean, again, Hutchinson, Hutchinson's a great prospect. There's a reason why you, you drafted him so high. And he will be that guy at some point, but this is one of those things. Unless Campbell can really coach it up and and you know work his magic, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Yeah, for I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I just I think the offense has to carry this team, but I do think the defense is like starting to kind of get to where there's a lot of interesting pieces on there. I mean, they have my boy Lee McNeil there, Michael Brockers. Like that defensive line could be a problem to deal with. It's just not going to be some like elite off the edge, just you know, just unit of destruction. I don't think. No. All right, the Bears. First question: Why does this team exist? Just kidding. <laughs> uh, is Justin Fields in the right situation to succeed? Um, no. No. Quick answer on that one: Absolutely not. I mean, I, I've I've said to you, you know, I think that this is a a good bet for you know lowest scoring offense in the NFL this year. It's I don't think that there's really a ton to love about the offense. I think it's an offensive line that's ranking at or near the bottom in the NFL. The weapons aren't anything great. I mean, you know, the, you know, for speaking from experience, they traded for Nikhil Harry. It's not like, you know, it's not <laughs> like they're really bolstering the wide receiver room there again, you know. So I don't know who really is going to be that go-to receiver outside of Darnell Mooney for Justin Fields to be that outlet. And if you're talking about it being David Montgomery, yeah, it's just that ceiling doesn't seem particularly high to me, and the floor seems really low. All right, let me see if I – okay, here we go. This is uh, from Kevin Fishbane and Adam Jans of The Athletic from Bears training camp on Tuesday, August 2nd. The Bears' first-team offense – Lake Forest, comma, Illinois. The Bears' first two first-team offense got two chances at a two-minute drill, down 26-20, 1-20 on the clock, and the ball in the 20 – in the first padded practice of training camp on Tuesday. They went three and out both times. Quarterback Justin Fields completed one pass, a flip to running back Khalil Herbert as Fields got flushed from the pocket. Six plays, one completion, and lots of scrambling. Fields overthrew wide receiver Dar- Darnell Mooney on a deep ball with safety Eddie Jackson in coverage. He attempted to connect with tight end Cole Komet down the scene, but he hit the, but the throw hit linebacker Nicholas Morrow in the back. On two other plays, Fields was evading pressure and forced to scramble. It's worth noting who he operated behind from left to right, Braxton Jones, Latavia Simmons, Pretty white hair was getting a breather. Sam Mustafer, Michael Schofield, and Larry Boren made it the offensive line for the first series. Uh, the offense, I mean, basically, this offense sucks. Yeah. And you hire a, a head coach, Matt Eberflus, who's a defensive-minded guy, 
It's not like you're going from Zimmer to O'Connell and, you know, to just use an example within the division where it's going to help your young quarterback out. And not only that, it's, you know, a carryover quarterback from a previous regime. I think we all are intrigued about Justin Fields and, and what his potential could be. But there's also that variable of, OK, does Zebraflus like what he sees after one year? And if they are as bad as we think that they might be. Are they having those conversations of finding another quarterback? It, it's a lot easier to make those decisions when it's from a former regime than, it, you know, and, and you're kind of, you know, maybe want that full reset. And if you're, a, you know, a new head coach, you're going to point to the quarterback to say it was his fault, not yours, out of, out of the gate in year one. Uh, yeah, and, and one of the things that, uh, that they pointed out in this article, too, like they did a little back and forth, like, should we, like, is this is this worth panicking about? You know, and it's like it's early. You know, Trevor Simeon is the backup quarterback and pointed out that, um his first practice in pads. You don't really know what your offense will be until after the first regular season game, blah, 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 blah. But as Jan's noted, it's like the Bears secondary just might be way, way better than the Bears like pass catchers. But that's going to be the case almost every week for this Bears team. Yeah. Like, like they're just not going to have an advantage with pass catchers against any sort of secondary unless it's just a horrendous unit. Yeah. Unless you're playing some. Yeah, exactly. If you, unless you're, I, I'm trying to even think of like, think, like, who's the, I mean, it's just, you know, you have to play. Okay. You have to, you're playing a, a, a Texans team or something. Yeah, you know, Jaguars or, yeah. You're just, you're just playing one of the bottom three, four, five teams in the league. Yeah, which, I mean, maybe the secondaries are even like not, not as bad as I'm thinking. I'm just, yeah, just thinking like, yeah. I mean, like if the Bears defense is overwhelming the Bears offense, you know, the Bears defense could be a good, but it's not great. I mean, right. Right. It's it's very it's honestly very similar to what I've been watching in Foxborough over the last few days of Patriots training camp. It's like the offense is struggling against the defense where I don't think anybody was super hyped about. So it's like, oh, I don't know. You yeah, know like, is, what, this, is this is this the defense is great and the offense is gonna be fine, or is this like, oh God, we are in deep, deep trouble? Like the defense isn't even that good and they're snuffing out the offense. Exactly. So again, uh, you know, I'm I'm intrigued about the prospect Justin Fields. Don't love the situation he he's in whatsoever. I think it's it's honestly gonna be bad for him. Can't I can't fathom? I mean, like I, I think he can have good fantasy stats because he runs a ton. Uh, it's hard to fathom him having a great year with the weapons yeah. that he has around him. Unless he's just a generational type of guy, like he is, he is that dude, and is going to just elevate. Which I guess possible, but would be a little weird if he, you know, I guess I mean Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson fell and you know, the yeah. draft too, so it's possible. But yeah, that's correct. Unless he's just. He could have drag up the talent level. Remember, and those two guys I'm talking about, I mean, Mahomes and, you know, Mahomes had tons of weapons and Deshaun Watson had freaking DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the offensive line can't be worse than last year, right? Wrong. Yeah, I think that might be wrong. And we just read about it. I mean, like they're rotating through every which way. It seems like this offensive line is just terrible. And I, and I just have PFF's uh, rankings in front of me. They're 31st, the Bears. Yeah, I mean, they're just bad. It's not like, good. And it, like that ties right in with does Justin Fields because he is he in a spot to succeed? Like, right. no, he's a bad offensive line and and not many weapons. Like it's a bad spot to succeed. It's just, yeah, it just seems you know, again, when you have these rookie quarterbacks on rookie deals, right now, I think the best modern day version of what you're supposed to do is in Los Angeles with the Chargers. You know, you have Justin Herbert on this super cheap contract. You're surrounding him with ridiculous talent. You're going and spending in free agency. You're making these big trades over the course of an offseason to surround him, whether it be offensively or defensively. You're going out and signing Corey Lindsley. You're, you're signing J.C. Jackson this offseason. You're trading for Khalil Mack. That's the stuff you have to be doing. And the Chiefs have even done this, too, with Patrick Mahomes earlier in his career, too. It's you know, Right now, the Bears are in a weird spot because they have a new head coach. They have a new regime. They're kind of stripping it down before they build it up. But you only have so much time with these quarterbacks on these rookie deals, too. So you have to make them count to some regard. Yep. So, you know, it's just it's just a bad spot for Fields. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really tough spot. Um, all right, finally, what's the future with Robert Quinn, the longtime veteran a pass rusher, rumored to be a possible trade candidate? Doesn't really fit with the Bears' timeline at all. But I think he likes it in Chicago, although, you know, he's got a new coaching staff, so who knows? Um, seems like an obvious trade candidate to me. That was That's what I was going to say is, you know, the timeline thing. I, it just does it – does it really – like, what do you – I guess you just have to be honest with yourself in terms of what you are as a franchise. Like, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to rebuild it? And I know, you know, he's a great player and everything like that, but 
you could he's valuable to other teams and you could get some assets to continue your rebuild. It's not like you're going to, you know, restart your entire franchise with a Robert Quinn trade, I don't think. Like it's not nothing like that, but at the same time, I I don't know what he really does for 2022 that's going to make a huge difference to what their I think their record's going to end up being. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it and if feels, that's the case, then just move off and get whatever assets you can. Exactly. It feels like they should get what they can get for Robert Quinn now. Like, like you did with Khalil Mack, you know, you, you, there's no reason for this Bears team to try to pretend like they're competing if you're trading Khalil Mack for two second round picks. Yeah. You know, like the, get what you can get for Robert Quinn because there's somebody out there that needs pass rush help. And he and he he piled up sacks last year. Like he's very capable still of getting sacks. So uh, it seems that seems. I mean, it, it it felt like the uh, Bears are at least like cognizant of that. In the same way, you know, we said with the the Lions, like you know who you are, right? Um, Quinn does have seventeen million dollar cap hit. You can kind of get out of it. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you can get out of this contract pretty easily, but I, you know, I don't know if wants to. I don't think you get a whole lot in, in value back for him. And what'd you say his uh, cap hit was? Cap hit seventeen point one three seven million. I mean, you're only really looking at like, if if I'm if I'm looking at this right, like the Browns, the Cowboys, and the Raiders is in Panthers maybe as yeah. teams yeah. that could absorb that right now, but. I don't know. I mean, the Cowboys could make a splashy move. That I guess it would be fun, but yeah, it would be very Cowboys of them. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like, um, yeah, uh, does feel like this is a trade opportunity. If if somebody, if, if maybe he can restructure or something like that. Sure, and, and like I'm like you know, just to hammer it home, like I don't know what Robert Quinn is going to do to change the win loss record of the 2022 Chicago Bears, and if and if they feel that same way, then. You should probably just move on and see what you can get. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Speaking of moving on, let's move on from this podcast. The uh, <laughs> no, the Bears are not the Bears are not fun to talk about. No offense, Bears fans. They hate me. My family <laughs> hate you too. Just kidding. I, I I don't want the Bears to be bad. I just think they're not. I don't think they're. Um, I just don't think they're good. Well, quickly, what did you think of their uh, alternate helmets? Oh, the orange. I like that. Yeah. See, I don't know if I liked it. So yeah. there you go. So now, now you're yeah, on the good side of the bears. Bears. I said something nice about there you. you yeah. All right. <laughs> Looks like two for, uh, that's yeah. So for the that's it for 2022. That's all you get. <laughs> all right. For Sully, I'm Brinson. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.